to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And we finally got Nikki Glassby, Seth. Yes, after so many times, you know, she comes through Atlanta and finally got to sit down with her. Also, you know, there's that pandemic that uh, hit that kind of made it impossible to sit down. Just, wait a second. Was this our first time sitting down? No, we had Bruiser and Magner. And that Magner episode is coming, folks, and Biscuit fans. 
That's right. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know what? Before we start, I yeah. want to give a big thank you to Janbase.com and in particular, Scotty B. Hey, Scotty B. Been so supportive of our show, to our show. I want to thank them very much. And if you don't know Jambase, what is wrong with you? Go online, jambase.com. Tons of great articles. They also still have the streams page. You still can click on streams at jambase.com, and they have a drop-down list of all kinds of stuff on any given night that you can watch. And Jambase is also a part of the Osiris Media Group. And Osiris Media, that's where our, our podcast and so many others, including the Jambase podcast. OsirisPod.com. Uh, go on there, sign up, uh, be on their guest let's get in loop and fish fans oh, check no, out don't, don't. the uh you know they're doing the little clips from uh, fish tour right now off uh the helping friendly podcast oh right? yes live helping uh, quick hits that quick are live hits. i don't think that's what they're calling it they're calling it tour update or something I'm you know what sure. just check it out osiris it's Pod. worth uh, it's got one of the beyond the pond guys co-hosting with rj most of the time then they've like when they had trey's guitar rig uh guy on that was really interesting and they had hey scotty b on one last thing the jam bass podcast two most recent episodes Krangbin's Mark Spear and DJ Johnson. Ooh. And the country blues singer-songwriter Charlie Parr. Really cool singer-songwriter. Kind of in the vein of John Shane, who we might be sitting down with at Stanwood Studios. So... Stanwood Studios is where we recorded this. Now, before we get there, I want you to folks to know that, you know, as uh, as uh, this band, the Nikki's new project was coming through town, we're starting to talk about doing an interview. We were talking about maybe doing a performance. We're trying to see if maybe one of our former studios we worked with was back up and running, but um, they just didn't have the capacity or energy to host a band at the time. So that was fine. And I, I just, you know, being so busy, I'm like, Rob? Take it and run with it. So, Rob. I called us a couple people, and the, the man who stepped up and came through for me is named Max Schwartz. He's been helpful to us before. From the band Voodoo Visionary. He is the drummer of Voodoo Visionary, but he's also a very highly regarded member of the Atlanta music community. Every time I bring up his name, everybody smiles and is excited to talk about him. He's one of those types of people. I'm going to see him at a party this weekend, as a matter of fact. Yeah, uh, Rob's masked off and like kissing folks, so, you know, watch out. Yeah. Deep tongue kiss. For anybody, anybody that provides us with a studio to do interviews in. So you kiss Mac. How about that? Not yet. It's coming, though. Oh, boy. You might want to keep that mask on if you're around me, Mac. It goes for everybody. But, uh, you know, Tomas, Sophia, and uh, I think it's Will over there at uh, at, um, Stanwood Studios. They welcomed us very kindly. Really nice, nice home studio. Really one of the nicest home studios I've seen in a... A long time. Really, really cool. And it's just a very comfortable environment to record. Uh, now, again, we didn't do live performance, but the interview itself was very comfortable. And Nikki took time on her day off to meet with us. She drove 40 minutes out of her way each way to do this interview. Yeah, we the- talk about that in the interview, I believe. So kind of her. Yeah. Really, really, really um, generous with her words and thoughts as well. We We... Mostly talk about recent stuff. She's been working with a band called Punkadelic with Mike Dillon. She also has a brand new record coming with Nth Power. Um, hopefully you've heard us on talking about that on Sirius. And then also she was with Kamani, which is a band that uh, very much kind of shining a light on the classic funk and bringing love to the country by touring around as we're... On the edge of this COVID thing, how far are we out of it yet, Seth? No, we're back in it, man. Mass on, let's go. <sighs> Stop breathing on the microphone like that. <laughs> Can you stand, Rob? I need you six feet away from me, please. No problem. That, that could go. I'll take a step back. We don't have to have take, a pandemic. Take a step back. We don't have to have a pandemic for me to honor that request. So. Mm, thank God. Well, let's jump into the interview. What do you say? Thank you, Nikki. 
Oh wait, you know what? Before we say thank you, Nikki, don't we want to thank one other person? Her sure. publicist? Oh, Margaret Willard. Well, I thank her in the interview too, but Margaret's one of the greats. Deserves uh, thank yous in the beginning, middle, and end. So we'll thank her at the end in the I'm outro. Not, I'm not always giggly about publicists, am I, Seth? Uh, no, you're more of an asshole. Yeah, yeah. But rightfully so. Usually. I don't understand why they won't put me on the guest list. No, that's that's a that's an unfair twist. I don't understand why they, I'm going to oh. review their show on Relics. No, no, I don't write for Relics anymore. No, that's not oh. it at all. I don't I don't understand why they won't sit at my table at dinner. No, I prefer that in most cases. Although Margaret she can sit with me at, at my table at dinner for any time she wants. Okay, uh, so uh, mm, all right, let's get to the interview. Oh, for three. Well, I'll say one for three, Seth. Pretty good. For you. Dig deep into the problem at the root where it starts to grow. We all have our problems. If we don't look them in the eye, we'll never let them go. Not born of pain With fears and tears Are not governed by the past But by the moment which Together we make last No need for hesitation It's a brand new situation Make your move and don't look back Celebrate what you've been given This life is so worth living right now My brother crying out in so much pain He's running in circles Behind a wall of self-inflicted shame Take a long, hard look in the mirror That's the one who won't let you be free I'm here for you, brother You can call on me when you're ready to see It's a brand new situation Make your move and don't look back Celebrate what you've been given This life is so worth living right now No need for hesitation It's a brand new situation Make your move and don't look back Celebrate what you've been given This life is so worth living right now I used to always look at our stats, and now I'm just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, there was like one video where like we had 300 viewers, and I was like, oh, you know, that they were watching at the time. And yeah, then, whatever. You, uh, know. you know, and that's the other thing too is like, well, I'm, I'd rather just know the big number because when you get to the analytics, and it's like, oh, they only listen to uh, 30 seconds, yeah, or 10 exactly. seconds. And I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, wait, this must have been when Rob was talking. <laughs> But it's the strangest thing, because in terrestrial radio, time spent listening is one of the most important stats. But in podcasting, it's like a very hard to get your yeah, hands you on. Yeah, you can't find out, right? Yeah, there, there's some that are, I think even our our software has an advanced search or something like that, that or analytics that will tell you. I haven't seen it, but... 
Probably have to pay like a hundred dollars uh, a month. But like video, so that's what I always find that interesting with video, though, is uh, with uh, some of the not YouTube as much, but like some of the other softwares, like the uh, Vimo, whatever. Yeah, when you video, do the paid yeah. one, you can act. So I had a marketing uh, video that I put out, and it shows you where people are tuning in, where they're tuning out, and so it kind of like gives you that idea of like, okay, if I'm going to make another one, maybe I, you know, don't wear the Elvis suit. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Loss of an Elvis. Yeah, exactly. Loss of an Elvis. They were like, <laughs> like, done. So we want to talk about Kamani. We just saw you last night. We also want to talk about Funkadelic. I watched a great video uh, of that as well. But first and foremost. Yes. Should I pull it? As a matter of fact, we'll even do an elephant in the room, Seth. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's been in the closet for a while. It's a little rusty. That elephant. Good to see you again, though, elephant. Um, Nth Power has a brand new record recorded and ready to go. Yes, we do. Uh, it is it is ready to go. Uh, it's slated to be released like the end of September. What's the next month? October, right? <laughs> well, hopefully we still have it. October has not been canceled yet. Oh gosh, oh, dude. See, I mean, but that's kind of been the thing in the holdup you know especially for a band like we are um you know you tour that's how we make money you know what i mean so it's like we don't we don't want to put an album out we can't tour behind so is that just creating like crazy anxieties no you know what i've i've let it go yeah i have like the whole anxiety fear thing i can't live like that so i just don't (laughs) you know what i mean it's like i'm how old am i 37 you look like 22 to us (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm 37 god has taken care of me for 37 years Mm. so i don't know why he or she would stop tomorrow that's kind of like how i've view life in general yeah it whether it's covid or cancer or, you know, hmm. an economic crash. We're getting hit by a bus. Anything. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. So when you're looking at the album release, though, compared to years prior, are right. you, do you got a plan B? Like, okay, well, if this, this shit gets shut down, we're still dropping the album, and we're going to go into marketing this way. Right, and we'll do mean? webcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, that is part of the plan. Because we, we want to get the music out to the people. Yeah. And we feel like that like there's no more important time than now. You know? Because people are just ugh, it's so sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Because, I mean, we are uh, creatures of community. Oh, yeah. You know, like, we have to be around each other and interact. Otherwise, it's... Well, that's. I was thinking about this. I'm not going to go too much onto the whole '90s uh, Woodstock '99, but I, I it brought a lot of brought a lot of thoughts together. Slam peas. But like when we when when we got when now that we're coming back together, though, right? We're coming uh, and 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 we came back together in a way where it's like uh, we came right back where we left off. Yeah. Now, if you take that away from us, I think that we're going to go fucking nuts. I mean, yeah. not that we didn't go nuts before, but be, now it's like, no, no, no. Now I didn't have that, and now I got it back. You can't take that away from yeah. me because now we really see the value. I, I really believe that people are going to like protest. They're just going to be like, nope, nope, we're going to do this. <laughs> it's not happening. 
mm-hmm. which I completely understand. I get it. But I will say that I did enjoy being in my house. I mean, the first two months was depressing. I mean, I yeah, we all drank a lot of wine. You depressed. Know? <laughs> Bottle of Whiskey, <laughs> tequila, beer, <laughs> you know, lots of weed. Edibles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, to and watch lots of TV like. I don't know. I, I I never. That's the thing. Like being a musician, being on the road and stuff. Like you don't get to watch TV. You know, people are like, "Have you seen this? Have you seen that?" I'm like, "No, no." I was driving eight hours today, yeah. so I couldn't watch anything. Um, but I totally binge watched like Game of Thrones. I watched the entire series in like you know five days or <laughs> something <laughs> like that, which was insane. It was like I would wake up and like put it on, and then it would I'd turn it off at like five a.m. You know what I mean? And just like lay there, and um, that was like cool for like you know two weeks, and it was kind of like man, this hurts. Mm-hmm. This hurts, you know, um, and I, I didn't even realize it. Like I was, I was really depressed. And then my girlfriend was like, "Yo, yeah, you you can't do like what you're great at. Like obviously, yeah. you're depressed, you know. Like, but guess what? The rest of the world is, <laughs> you know, feeling the same exact way. So I thought that like uh, that that was interesting." Just the energy of everyone going through the same exact thing at the same oh, yeah. time. Well, how long of a break did you take from actually sitting on the drum kit? Not in not in front of a crowd, just in your own drum kit. Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe like maybe like two weeks. Yeah, not 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 too long. Not too long, but, but still like, longer than you had in a long time. Yeah, longer than I had in a long time. But uh, you know, I have I have drums set up in my house, so in the kitchen, yeah. every room you got a little drum kit. There's like there's <laughs> drums everywhere, <laughs> but you know I have a little room. But actually, I was I was playing more bass and guitar and keys, like just trying to write things. Mm. I wasn't even really focused on the drums, uh, which was kind of cool because I became a better engineer. Like I've never ever been that person, like. Oh, you know, like where do I, where does this go? Let me plug this in. So you mean if like I just go was... to this thing called Google and ask a question, <laughs> I can learn how to use this software? Yeah, I mean, with? I've just I just left that to the professionals like for a really long time yeah. because I personally I was a purist, you know, as far as like music is concerned. You know, I was like computers, like no, like. I never just, I never played electronics. I never Mm. wanted to mess with electronics. I'm like, I want pure sound, you know, from humans. And, you know, just because of my background, I had to play with computers, you know. (laughs) But it just, like, felt so sterile. I've just always been, like, anti that. So, uh, actually sitting in a studio, in a room... You know, and like working on those types of things, it was great because uh, I learned I learned how to become a better engineer. I was always, I was just really terrible at it, just like getting sounds. Like I can hear what sounds good, but actually how to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, the process of doing that uh, was I I didn't never spent time doing it because I didn't have time to do it. I was always on the road playing. Speaking of engineers, we are in Stanwood Studios with Sophia and Tomas and uh, Will. It's Will's house. He's the business partner in his basement, and it's 
gorgeous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really, beautiful. Really nice. This is, I mean, like home studio. This is. Someone had some time during COVID. <laughs> look at this Hope, place. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll do gorgeous. more. We were going to capture a performance, but that that'll be another time down the road. But they got look. They got a nice piano in here. I mean, this is this is a nice this setup. This piano is gorgeous. Nikki drove 40, mile, 40 minutes out of the way oh, each way for us. Thank you. But of course. We would have went to you, but this is this is nice. No, this yeah, is really this. nice. But I do have to ask, uh, how did you select where to record the Nth Power uh, record? And when was it recorded? Yeah. That's, uh, well, it was recorded in several places <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we were always trying to find time in between tours and whatnot. Because, like, you know, we're completely self-funded. We don't have money growing on trees. So it's like, whenever you get some money, it's like, okay, let's record. And then you wait until you get some more money, and then you record again. You know, so it's kind of like a piecemeal. Like, we just had to do it whenever we could get it done. Uh So we actually recorded a bulk of the album down here at Tree Sound Studios. Oh, really? Tree, nice. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to Paul Diaz. Yeah. Actually, that's I stayed at his house last night. Oh, no way. Yeah, he's like one of my favorite so, people. So when we were talking about what studios to go to, I'm like, I don't want to bother Paul because I haven't talked to him in so long. Oh, yeah. and I didn't want to, I didn't want to like yep. ask him a favor yet, you know, and then meanwhile, you're staying with him? Yep, I'm staying with him. <laughs> That's where I was. I was like, I'm, I'm up there. Yeah. We'll tell them about like, Stanwood Studios when you go back. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. That's I'll be like, man, they got though. a dope like, computer. This is, this uh, is piano the thing. You never yeah. know. See, it's all about everything. Like, every, it's the world's only in your head. Like, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I can't call. Pa- but if I, and you're staying with them, like, it's just so weird. Yeah. The just- world is only in your head. Let's, <laughs> can we isolate that? <laughs> anyway. Totally. So, where are we at on the originals and uh, covers on the new record? And who's writing the originals? Like what percentage are? Is it all originals? It's all originals. Nice. Are you? Oh, they, wow, yeah. Yeah. We, well, Just make it power. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we. That- you know, when we do covers, like we'll do like cover sets. You know what I mean? But we never like recorded. I, now that I think about it, I'm like, we haven't recorded one cover. Except the Marley Tribute record. Yeah, except for that. But that was just like that was the whole kit caboodle. Like the that was a live record too. Mm-hmm. That was the show. So are they your compositions? Yes. And then you Nick. bring them and they and they're yeah. valuable? No, Nick Nick is like the principal songwriter. Like he brings things in and then like we work on them and then like I'll have an idea, Nate will have ideas. Like it's very you know, we work on everything together to get it to, you know, the finished product. And the material, is it uh, pre-COVID written stuff or is it all? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. So Pre-COVID. You don't, a, you don't need your Prozac when you're listening to it. You're going to be okay, <laughs> Only vaccinated people can listen. <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> I can even label like the, uh, the uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's just non-musicians. That's a fascinating thing because we always bring up like Eddie Vedder talks about how it's like his blood. You know, you, mm-hmm. you write these songs. It's something that came out of you. But then when you record them and they evolve, yeah. you also have to allow the other musicians. Can that be a tricky thing to, to not you to, yeah, to not to seize not, it too much? To not like put someone in a box or we call it demoitis. Huh. I have like the worst demoitis. Like I hear like if I write a bass line, like I want to hear that bass line. I don't want any deviation from huh. it, you know. Uh but yeah, it's we always you have to allow for that, 
you have to allow for people to be themselves. I think like the best producers like let the musicians be themselves. You so know, you, they don't try and carve them into something else. Right. But but that goes to like calling the right people too. It's yeah. like if you want this certain thing, you got to call this guy that yeah. does that certain thing. Yeah, you know that's what, what I was mean? thinking. Is that when you hear these song, when you hear the bass line in your head, are you hearing that bass line? Or are you hearing that person? Yeah, hearing that person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's bass lines because just like I write bass lines. Uh-huh. Like I have such a connection with the bass, you know. But Nate Edgar is like one of the greatest bassists in the world, so I really can't say anything to him. <laughs> and I don't have to no, you know what no. I mean like anything he plays I'm like oh my god that's amazing you know which is why we're in a band together mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nick with the singing yeah oh yeah I mean, and I playing guess. I mean his guitar playing is ridiculous but are you surprised when people don't know that you sing like last night people were like I didn't know she sang so well it's like yeah uh, yeah and by the way you do sing really well oh thanks I'm not. I'm not always like surprised by that because, I mean, I I sing a lot of background vocals. You know, like people have never really heard me sing lead. I've never really heard me sing lead. <laughs> it's just something you know, I'm working on and doing. It it really just kind of came out of necessity. Hmm. It's like, oh, let's do this song. Who knows it? Well, I guess I do, kind of. <laughs> you know, I guess I'll sing it. Like it's in my the, range. Like at some of these jam sessions that are put together with different musicians from different bands. Yeah, it's somewhat. Like, you don't you don't put yourself forth. It's more like default. If no one else steps up, it's like, well, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, unless it's like something that I'm putting together, and I like on the song list. I'm like, I want to sing that song. Yeah. You know, I try to like pick out songs that fit my voice, like Frankie Beverly stuff. Well, I don't really. I mean, it it's like kind of in my range, but I I love to hear Xavier sing it and Nigel sing it. <laughs> you know, Nigel sing anything really? Go yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> Whenever we're on the bandstand, he's like, "You sing." I'm like, "No, you sing it." <laughs> it's like you're the you're the singer. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You're gonna see him in Charlotte, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna play in Charlotte. It's gonna be awesome. So is he? A, uh, is he? Have, we have rotating cast in this. Yeah, band? It's, it's a rotating cast because you know everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. You know, people are in other bands, and it's really fun. It's fun for me. Um, because the set list kind of changes depending on who's there. And also, like, just the energy and the vibe of the band. It's still super funky, but, like, it just, you know, has a different look or a different different take on it. Which is is very snarky puppy-like. Yeah. Which makes sense because you have a member... A, a per- I just shouldn't say member. A person from that family. Yeah, oh, know. yeah, yeah, absolutely. A person from that family. And he was there last night. Uh-huh. Now, last night's show, it, it had a lot of, um, I mean, it, it was funky, but it was like it was like taking the funk out of church and almost, you know, it had a, it really sounded a lot of the rootsy kind of, um, I don't know, spiritual vibe or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It's been with her since she rootsy, was a kid. Rootsy, rootsy spiritual vibe. Root- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Throw that in the press kit. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's that's really the like the intention behind it. Uh-huh. You know, is uh music it, live music for a lot of people, it that is their church. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, so I'm well aware of that and try and give them that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like this is where you're coming for comfort and solace, you know? And community, like you were saying before. Yeah, and community. So it really is in that sense, yeah. It is. So it's like I want all those endorphins mm. released, you know? <laughs> and Sput Seawright, of course, is the, is the fellow from Snarky. And I, I heard him tell a story that I'd like to hear your side of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Inviting you on stage impromptu with Snarky. And then how everyone reacted when you <laughs> got on stage. Yeah, they all turned around. <laughs> they were like, what is that? They heard the kick drum. <laughs> no, but this is, to, to us, we're always, again, no, we're not musicians. Yeah. So whoa, you're whoa, whoa, I play the steering wheel in my car, buddy. <laughs> actually, he, actually, to be serious, he does play trumpet, and, and, and I once... I really he, blew it. <laughs> but I was, uh, Jeff Coffin was sitting behind me, and I turned around to, to make fun of Seth and... Coffin was recording with a big smile on his face, and I shut my mouth. <laughs> Dude, it, was, uh, it was one of Kebby's jam nights. Uh. Okay. Dude, but, uh, speaking of, I love Jeff Coffin. Of course, is. and it, we'll get to Funkadelic, which is, I saw him play with you, uh, a video. But, but, oh, yeah, but Funkadelic. Back, back to the story, go ahead. Yeah, you, you're watching, you're just hanging out backstage watching Snarky Puppy. It just seems, I don't know, it seems weird to me that, uh, it seemed like it would be uncomfortable to like, oh, I... Uh, unannounced I'm just gonna jump out and do this just because my friend is waving me on <laughs> I mean no it's... well I mean that's like that's fun you know that's that's what it is for us it's like when you speak the same language mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like playing double dutch <laughs> it's like man let me get in there <laughs> you know but you two syncopate in a way that was like even like last night is I could he- it's it's interesting because I mean I don't know how to describe without like actually saying it but like you're on at the same point, but off at the, at the, at the same point. So yeah. it's kind of like... Pushes it along. Yeah. yeah. But we, for two drummers, it's it was very like... Like you can shut your eyes and just hear it just click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, we're both like avid listeners, <laughs> which is like something I always tell all my students. It's like you have to like... 97% of my playing is listening. You know, the other 3%. That's why is, Colonel Bruce loved you. Is reacting. Man, I love, I man, shout out to Colonel Bruce. I, I loved him so much. And we only got a little, I only got a little bit of time with well, you him. Were the, you were in the movie with it, right? I, the, I uh, was, Here yeah, Comes Rusty. Was, Here Comes Rusty. Yep. I was uh, in Here Comes Rusty. And uh, that was, that was such a great experience and awesome just to, you know, hang out with him and talk to him because he was. Oh, I mean, with Fred there, like I mean, he was a character, man. Yeah, but you know what? Like, such a such a cool person. I don't know because there's a lot of people that are like he's he wasn't from here, which no. I I could totally see that. But then they're like, there was a a human side, you mm. know. Like he would call me. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know, once a month maybe. Just be like, how's my favorite drummer doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up, Colonel? Like, what's, Actually, what's you, probably, you probably said, Colonel, I was just talking about yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, I just I picked I just, up my phone. Somebody I'm like, just what said Colonel? your name. <laughs> yeah. What's your problem with the number six? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I totally wish I, ha- I had more time with him, but I'm grateful for the time that we were able to spend together. Yeah. You well, know? I, I remember that on Jam Cruise when we, uh, we, we did the screening. Of um, here, here comes Rusty, and you were there, and Bruce was there, and he was just so happy. I mean, it was, he, it was, that was that was big. That was a big one. Not the Jam Cruise thing. Just to... what was your first memory of him? When, when did you first meet him, and what was your first impression? I met him. 
That's always the question. It's like, where did June I mean? June 4th, <laughs> 1942. people. <laughs> totally. You know what? I think it was Panic in La Playa. Oh, Actually, yeah. oh. well, we had, I had like seen him before, like somewhere, but like when we actually like met and like chilled out, was actually on the plane ride to Panic. Oh. We oh. happened to be on the same flight. And I saw that we sat beside each other. <laughs> Does he like guess the stewardess's birthdays and stuff? Yeah. I didn't hear him do it, but he definitely, uh, yeah, he did that, obviously. But uh, that was like the first time. And he's like, you want some peanuts? I mean, it was, <laughs> this is really funny. We sat beside each other on the plane and talked a little bit. And then we played. Yeah, the play all-stars. At, at, at Panic. And man, it was awesome. You know, we did spaces, the place, obviously, and a lot of other. Uh, there was a time, <laughs> you know, that was like one of his favorites. Uh, James Brown. James Brown, man. But yeah, I don't know. It was just awesome hanging out with that dude. All right, getting back to Kamani, there is a, there is a, there is a big, you know, there is a ethos to it as well. You're, you're on the one hand trying to. Shine a light on great funk bands of the seventies, like the Gap Band. We had a whole Tulsa rap. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. The S- and the SOS band. Yeah, SOS band. Like I, um, they're from Atlanta, folks. Yeah, they're from Atlanta, and 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 I wanted to, like, guess the thing is, like, I really want to educate people because I have this other thing. It's called Nikki Glassby and the Homies, and I mean, essentially, Kamani is like a, a smaller version of that, mm. and. Um, with the homies, I would just play like all these deep cuts that people may or may not have heard. Like true funk heads, they'll know what it is, you know, uh, because you dig for it and you study and you look for it. But a lot of the songs we play, people are like, I've never heard this played live. Like even the band that <laughs> recorded the song would never play that song live. You know what I mean? Well, when you say what it is, I have the answer. Oh, yeah. Hypnos. What'd you say? Hipness. Hipness. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it Tower Power? What is hip? Oh, what, what is, is hip? hip? Did I miss it? What I, is hip? I totally screwed up. We're going to rewind that one out. <laughs> close <laughs> enough for jazz. Huh? Yeah, is a good note. Dude, that's so funny because I say that all the time. I'm like, it's close enough for jazz. It's <laughs> a good line. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's terrible at the same time. <laughs> but you're also bringing just in general love to people who've been through all this. And I mean, we yeah. felt it last night. Yeah, just definitely. It's joyousness. Just, it's, yeah. it's about love. It's about bringing people love and just letting them know that they're loved. Because, you know, we, we live life and sometimes we're in different types of situations and we forget that. We forget also to love and to have compassion for other people. Well, it's hard to love other people when you don't love yourself or are uncomfortable with yourself. Well, oh, I know. I've but worked that, on with that, so. it's, it's, it's funny you say that because someone that's close to me says that's not necessarily true. Because if that were true, there'd be a lot of kids that would not be cared for. You know, because parents sometimes, like, they have to. They have to do for. You know, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily you know do for themselves but they have to do uh for their children you know oh, that's true so it's like you there is the capacity or the ability to love even though you don't love yourself you know what i'm saying yeah actually being a father i think you're right yeah <laughs> daryl is in the house 
Um, Cat Dyson, can we talk about who? What a Cat Dyson's one of my heroes. She, like I saw her on TV, obviously when I was a kid, and I was like, oh my god, you know her. She looks and, so young though. And she Lee, yeah, she looks very young. I'm gonna look at my video I shot. Which, by the way, I shot the whole SOS thing. And Jake Funkmeyer shot the whole show. Was Jake yeah. there? Yeah. yeah, Jake was there. Huh. He was right up front. Yeah, he hit us up. You knew him before? Yeah, it was Sput knows him. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, um, but I have seen him before, but we never, like, you know. You know, Bear Creek and... He's on Snarky Puppy liner notes. I mean, the guy is in that world. Yeah. They... they um, Sourced him to choose cuts for a live record from a full tour. It's awesome. Oh, he was so happy. Yeah. But what are you going to say about Cat? Um, just when it's your hero, and then you end up playing with them. And this has happened to you so many times. You have heroes, and then they're on. They're, you look across the stage, and they're playing with you. Yeah. Are you over that now? No, absolutely not. Never will be. It's incredible. It's amazing. You know, and um, I don't know. I just. It's, it's, it feels like, you know, like the torch is being passed. Mm. So it's like, I'm the, I'm the torch bearer. So I have to keep, keep it going and keep doing it, you know, but being a purist, like you want to play with the people who did it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you want to play basketball with Michael Jordan. (laughs) Or LeBron. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or Steph Curry, whatever, you know? This this guy's like, he'll take Larry Bird any day. Oh, dude, me too. (laughs) He'll get the rebounds too. Dude, Larry Bird, he was a trash talker. That's what I loved about him. (laughs) Yeah, but you you have to, it's a trash talker, but you kind of whistled it. I used to give Robert Parrish tapes. He was a big jazz fan. Oh, boy. And what? Then I gave, and then I gave him a tape, and he wasn't a deadhead, but I gave him a tape. I saw Brantford sitting there. I was going to say, it had to be Brant. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. And then I remember I went back to him, and I was like, what'd you think? He was like, it was okay. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> he was like yeah. No. Sweet guy and amazing player. Dude, that is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know you what? Could, you... Shout out to Howie Singer. I have to shout him out. Oh, He's yeah? like my buddy that's also a Celtics fan. Uh, <laughs> God, they were amazing to watch in the... In the time, but this year the Milwaukee Bucks, man. So, do you watch NBA? I do. Because in the NBA, we'll do real quick. This will be quick. You're listening to Sports Radio with Rob Turner. You have this tendency. Dude, let's go. <laughs> you have this tendency for the stars to put together the team, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But the Bucks to just have the people they drafted and to have the players that are there mm-hmm. just kick ass and play as a team and consistent effort and have them win the championship. Yeah. I think that's really good for the NBA. I don't care how small the market is. No, absolutely. I I definitely agree with that because it's just it's out of control. And and actually yesterday, so I kind of fell off, you know, like I wasn't paying attention as much. I never really pay attention as much during the off season. Right. But yesterday, Sput was just like informing me of like what's happening and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yo, Miami next year?" Like they're gonna be ridiculous. Oh no! They got like Oladipo and uh, Kyle Lowry, right? And do they keep uh, Jimmy Butler? They got Jimmy Butler. They I kept love Jimmy Butler, and they got they still have Hero and uh, Bam. Like he was like, this team's gonna be ridiculous. Did Atlanta keep Trey? Yes, they signed him. Oh, right, good, good. Like, Did we get anyone else though? Love you, Trey. Give it. Give him time. Because that the last the end of the season was just incredible. It was, man, Atlanta. and that that made me happy to to watch too. Because I'm a huge Nate McMillan fan, 
uh, because I actually went to his basketball camp when oh, I was oh. like 10 or something your, like that. What position are you? Shooting I'm guard. A, yeah, yeah. Call you it. know it. Yep, I'm a two. <laughs> that was not research. That was a guess, people. That was a guess, yep. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I love basketball. It's my favorite sport. And my aunt is... She her basketball IQ is ridiculous, huh. but she was a coach. Uh, she coached for the St. Augustine's College in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, as a Division Two uh, program. But she also, I mean, she played. She was doing behind the back passes before <laughs> people were doing that. You know, like she played basketball when you had offense that stayed on one side <laughs> of the court and defense on the uh-huh. other. Like, wow! Uh, before, yeah. So she she played before it turned into soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they got to fix that this year. That's yeah. enough. That's enough of this whining and fake crying. And yeah, just, come right. on. I know. You're six foot seven. No, it's Get ridiculous. Up. No, but you know what? That kind of goes with like the the what the style of basketball like has become. Yeah, right with style, the officiating yeah. and all that. It's like that's a foul. Like, come on. But travel all you want. Yeah, travel all you want. It's it's ridiculous. Like, you know, you go back and look at, like, tapes of Bill Lambeer. He's, like, clotheslining people. <laughs> yeah, but Parrish you know, got a good shot on him once. You know I was I was there, by the way. And the and, garden exploded when he... Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No. There, there's video on YouTube. Parrish just at one he point... He just whacked him. He just slammed him in yeah. that garden. God, and they didn't, they didn't call anything either. Yeah. If you look at it now, but what annoys me now is the flopping, though. Yeah, the flopping is annoying, but if they would let them play physical ball uh. physically, like, and we, I don't think it would, it would be like that. Uh. I don't know. That's just my personal feeling. Because, like, anything can be called a foul. Yeah. And then they also, there's just no consistency, I guess. You know, like in the finals, they, you know, let a lot of things go. In the playoffs, right. they just like let it go. It's like, well, it's one or the other. Yeah. And, and you it's know? not like we're seeing a bunch of concussions or anything like no, that. No, we're not seeing any of that. I mean, what we are seeing is someone like tripping on their own foot and like spraining their ankle yeah. and like being out. But like, you know, that's yeah. not like someone breaking their leg. Yeah. I wish, I wish uh, they would, you know, lighten up. A little yeah. bit and like let them play. Well, you, you know, know, maybe maybe Space you can't Jam take will help someone to the hole without any contact. <laughs> no, it's impossible. The final thought of basketball is that it's great for Atlanta that they had this run because you have all these NBA players who live around here, but they never wanted to play for the Hawks. Yeah. Now I think we're going to get a couple free agent signings and the Hawks can make a run, and I, I think that would be so. so great for this city. This city needs ba- – like, we're, why is Atlanta – I mean, I know why. Atlanta should be a basketball team, but we're not. Yeah. I mean, a basketball city, excuse basketball me. Basketball city, yeah. But we're not, and it's because everyone's a transplant here. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, you know, soccer with Atlanta United – it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, why is it so popular? Why is it so big? Because you only have that team. No one's coming here like, you know, maybe a couple of people are, but mostly you're like, if you're going to like soccer, I'm like, you're gonna you be have Atlanta a soccer United. team? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're huge. The reason I'm Hawks like, bigger, you guys, soccer? We play soccer in the United States? No. <laughs> Excuse me, football? <laughs> football. Yeah. No, but they, they, it's the, the biggest sport in the world. Oh, yeah. It really is. I watched the European Championships. It was great. Sorry, England lost. Um, but the reason the Hawks aren't bigger is because every time they get a team that's close, the management doesn't make the moves to put them over the top. And I think now with Trey Young, they will. But yeah, yeah. Now back to the music. Funkadelic. Punkadelic. Punkadelic. Right? How did how did you first meet Mike Dillon? I met Mike 
It it had to been been at Jazz Fest like I don't know, ten or eleven years ago. Seven a.m. Some some yeah, totally. May second, <laughs> yep. nineteen yep. ninety seven at, at, at Howlin' Wolf or some you know somewhere. Actually, I think I knew exactly where it there was. Uh, I well the first time yeah Sauce Fest. You know, uh, Skerrick does this oh, thing yeah. called Sauce Fest at the High Ho Lounge. And Mike came and played drums. And he straight like, kit. Yeah, straight kit. And he like played this blast beat. And I was like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and it was Mike D. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna veer for a second. We're talking about Jazz Fest, so elephant in the room, the fact that Jazz Fest has been canceled. What what's happened with all the uh that's the festival. What's happened with all the What's the outcome in the last day of all the other stuff? I have not heard a peep. Yeah, the I mean, only thing that I heard yesterday, and this was this was literally when I was pulling up to the venue, right. Jamie texted me, Nigel's wife, and was like, Jazz Fest is canceled, crying face, you know. Yeah. And then right after that, you know, Gerber texts me. He's like, Gerber! <laughs> shout out to Gerber. Royal Arts Group, he's like Jazz Fest is canceled, and then and then on a group thread, you know, like yeah. with the nth power, Jazz Fest is canceled, just like coming at me from everywhere. And then I open my Instagram, and all the homies are like Jazz Fest is canceled, and I'm like, oh, here we go. But um, I have not heard anything well, what, what as do you, what far would you as you want to do. Do you want to? Do you want to play? Do you think that these other get like Jazz? Okay, that's not happening. But come on, let's let's still you know let's take a take a good percentage of the people out. And let's just keep let's do jazz fest at night and keep yeah, this keep the going. Late night stuff going. I mean, I you would know? love to do that, but I am not the person that decides. No, <laughs> no, it's not, well, but you're right. I mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, my first jazz fest was 2004, but uh, that was with Sam Kenninger. and then I went back in 2005 and just ran around everywhere with Eric Krasno. Shout out to Krasno. If you listen to Eric Krasno Plus One with Nikki Gillespie, they talk in detail about that uh, experience. Yeah. Running Partners. Yeah, That's totally. where George got that name? Is that right? <laughs> running Partners are musicians who run around and yep. sit in. I didn't yep. know that until I heard the Kras Plus One. Yeah. Oh. I didn't make that connection. Thank yep. you for that. Thank you, Eric Krasno. Yeah. So Krasno, who's also on the Osiris Network. Who also is the reason Nikki met Maceo Parker. Oh! But we're going to go ahead. Well, Sorry. one of them. I mean, there was a couple of people. Chris Rogers was the reason that I played a gig with Maceo. Yeah, but yes, I met Maceo at a at a Soul Alive show, Soul Alive Lettuce show. Mm-hmm. But you were going to talk about late late night jazz. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. 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 A lot of tangents today. No, of course. It's, I mean, but that's, that's it, how it is. It is know? the coffee, though. This is. I got a shot. Like, of, like, I got a shot of espresso. You got some crazy. I got whatever Nikki this. got. A quad shot or whatever. I've never had yeah. one before. But woo, my way. Yep, quad <laughs> shot with oat milk. But that's like all you, all the caffeine you need for a day or a week. You, you know? know. I did. I did the classic. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Yeah, but you know, that's a misconception about espresso. You know, it's like two shots of espresso equals a cup of coffee, in in terms of caffeine. Hmm. But for some reason, I think it's just like ha- because of how the beans are roasted. Like coffee makes me like all like cracked out, jittery. Huh. I don't know. Music does that to me sometimes. Yeah, music yeah, definitely. Actually, you know what does that to me is crack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Uh, so jazz yeah, light light jazz fest. <laughs> so I think that like my earliest memory or favorite fondest memory of uh late night jazz fest was uh at the Dragon's Den, uh, which is at the end of Frenchman. I went in there I mean I think it was that must have been two thousand four. Um Johnny V. Oh. Was playing up there oh, with Stanton. Yeah. They had like the double drums facing each other. And Johnny V saw me and was like, come on. Nice. And I was like, Johnny V just invited me up to play his drums. You know what I mean? Like, that was one of the first ones. He's royalty. Yeah. He's and like, royalty. He's, one of the, he's royalty, but like, he's a, he's a musician. He's a drummer's drummer. By all, I mean, like, if a drummer sees him, they roll the red carpet out for yeah. him. Yeah. Such a. Definitely royalty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just that within itself, just like him inviting me, being like, you come up here and play. Like, that's always been the uh, the vibe, mm-hmm. you know, the welcoming spirit of drummers in New Orleans, mm. specifically. Because Russell Baptiste, mm. he was another one like that for me. Whenever he saw me, he's like, come here, come play. See, that's the thing about uh, Colonel Bruce just always say this, and he he would. Uh, I remember going to shows and getting on the bus with him, so to say, or the van. But he would be like, he would point out the people that are like with their guitars and like asking to go on stage, mm-hmm. and he's like, no. Right. He goes, you just sit on the side, and you get asked. Mm-hmm. It's best to be asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and w- Willie Green, that's another one. You I know? just spoke uh, with Glenn Sears about Willie Green. Yeah. Uh, going to Birmingham, Alabama, with him and. Mickey Hart and Bill Kreutzman freaking out and saying, you're going to sit in. And I was at that show. It was one of those, in 95, when the dead were falling apart, it was one of those shows where the drums was the highlight of the show. Mm-hmm. Willie Green just enlivens any stage he walks onto, totally. including the Grateful Dead, which they have a lot of enlivened stuff going on. Yeah, But totally. still, Willie Green's presence became, and he led. Like, the dead have a lot of drummers sit in, but when Willie Green sits in, he leads he and they leads, fall. He leads, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, that's amazing. It's awesome. But and then, you know, Raymond Weber. You know, there's so many great drummers from New Orleans. And just, like I said, they have that welcoming spirit. That well, Like, the for my first Jazz Fest, I actually made a record with Russell. Oh, cool. Yeah, like, he, he was like, come to the studio. And I was like, I don't even know you, but, like, you're a drummer. <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? And he was like, come come play. So I went in the studio, and it was him and um, uh, the bass player from Ween, Dave... Dave Drywitz. Drywitz. Oh, yeah. And all these other people, you yeah. know, that I didn't know, that like now I know now, but, you know, just the welcoming spirit yeah. and the sharing and, like, wanting to, you know, play and include... Someone yeah. that like I wasn't from New Orleans, well, you but know. Then, but then flip it around, like you go to Denver to do these, uh, you know, uh, live for live music sessions that they they be the funk sessions and things like that, and then you got the musicians that are all you know contracted to play. But then you've got the you know everyone else that's there, so yeah. you got to navigate. You you give as well, you know. Yeah, definitely. I feel like get the sense Johnny Vidakovich. If he didn't like how you played, you'd probably know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he threw his dice at you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I got a nice transition for you, Seth. Okay. Last time we saw Johnny Vidakovich at Red Light Cafe, uh-huh. Nola Tet, 
Nola okay. Tet. The keyboardist, Brian Haas. Uh-huh. Which takes us back to Brian Punkadelic. Yeah. That was a brain fart before yeah. because you guys covered Funkadelic last night. Punkadelic, there is punk in there. That is a great band with great songs. What's your favorite Punkadelic song title? There's some hilarious song titles. There are. And but that's the thing is that there's multiple names for all, all oh, the songs. Very, so that's very <laughs> Dylan-esque. <laughs> no why Dylan-esque. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll call he'll say Vera. And we know what that is. That's word to the virus. You know? Uh, which is he wrote for his mother which he wrote for his mother and shout out to Vera Dillon she wow. is incredible I love that woman she she comes out in Austin mm. she comes to, to uh, some of my shows and she just lights up the room it's awesome <laughs> uh, let me see what's a, well, one of my favorite titles I don't know like there's so many <laughs> like Pelagic that was a good one um I don't know. There's, I mean, your mother was my teacher. That's like my favorite song. I love that title. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can mean a couple of different things. Oh, you yes, know? it can. <laughs> but I don't think enough people know about Brian Haas. I was a big Jacob Fred Jazz Odyssey Man. family back. Did you ever have you ever heard them? Yeah. I mean, that's Reed Mathis, who's a freaking badass, energetic bass yeah. player. I mean, Brian is one of my favorite musicians, favorite people on the planet. Like. He is incredible. It is amazing to share the stage with him, because that he's just got he's got all the energy. <laughs> uh, and he picks his spots. You try to tell young musicians mm-hmm. that sometimes it's what you don't play. He'll lay low. He'll fill and yep. fill. He'll wait. He'll link. He'll lay yep. in the weeds, and then boom. And he's then he it's an explosion. Yeah. yeah. Like then well, he's gone. He's off to the races. Like he is incredible. But um, it, will there be more punkadelic? Yeah, there absolutely will be more punkadelic. Uh, we are playing this month. Uh, at summer camp. Oh yeah. Oh. Scamp, as I like to call it. <laughs> you got to get on stage with the Humphreys guys. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, get- I love those guys too. You know, but also like, like you said, you know, you got to be asked. You know, it's like you got to respect the music. Yeah. You know, like I don't know all of their songs. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, hey, come here. Like, you, you know what? You guys got sections, you got hits and all that. Right. It's like, I want to respect the music. Yeah. It's like, I if I'm going to sit in with someone like that, You're right. I want them to tell me what I'm going to play so that I'm prepared yeah. <laughs> to do that. So, can you talk about the SOS band and how you met Bruno yeah. and why you played that song last night? Okay, so I met Bruno playing with Maceo. I started playing with Maceo like in 2015 and it was at a gig Hmm. like you know it's like you know you come in and you're like playing a gig and like I knew Skeet was because uh I mean just from like looking at him like I know I recognize his face I know this guy because I watch videos of him you know and uh he's like one of my favorite one of the greatest bass players of all time and um <clears throat> you know we we're we're playing and Maceo turns around and says representing the SOS band Bruno Spate and literally my jaw dropped <laughs> i was like what so i had a full out like fan moment it was like during the break you know we had set break cuz we did like two different shows this was at SF Jazz this was like the first gigs that i Played with Maceo, uh, and during the break, I just walked up to him, you know, and I'm like, 
I sat down and looked at him, and I said, did Maceo say uh, you're in the, ma- the, the SOS band? <laughs> and Bruno looked at me, he goes, I am the SOS band. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, oh yeah, Bruno Spate, you know? <laughs> and uh, the SOS band had been like a mantra uh, for the F Power for a couple months. You know, like, so... As a musician, you go through phases. You find bands and you just dig in, listen to it for, if you're like me, years. But, (laughs) you know, there's a time where it's like, all right, for two months, I will listen to this, like, one record incessantly. Like, just all the time, you know. And one of the first one for the Nth Power was Leon Ware, Musical Massage. That was like the first record that we all collectively obsessed over, you know, just really uh, taking it apart, taking it in, listening to it, like understanding the elements that like make it what it is. You know what I'm saying? And the same thing with the SOS band, you know, like I was listening to it on the way here because like I just love it so much. It's great. Um, And. Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands, and I always like to highlight, you know, the people that influenced me. Because I think it's really important, you know, to to do that and, and keep the tradition alive. So I was like, oh, we're in Atlanta. Let's play a band from Atlanta. You know, uh, because I'm also, I mean, I I don't consider myself a historian like some other people that are true historians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. DJ Soul Sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. She's I, a, that, she knows that, so much. Wow. Like, they both, like, yeah, they know so much about... They just got to take their brains and, this, like, that and the put other. that into... You know, like, you that's know the database what I'm saying? there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but with that being said, I like to uh, dig and search and, you know expose and you know like give it to people on that note who are two other 70s artists funk artists that Kamani's covering that you think are underappreciated that people should know more about uh change that's another band that like we we play one of their songs that makes sense uh and well we we don't play anything currently right now by them but dynasty that's another band that I don't know if I'm different. What, what 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 would I remember of them? Probably nothing. All right. <laughs> They've been sampled a bunch. Uh-huh. Uh, Adventures in the Land of Music. That's a song that has been sampled by them a lot. And then the, uh, there's this other song, Here I Am, that like I'm just in love with. And you know the Silvers. That's a, that's another one. You know, but Leon Silvers, he's the one that like produced dynasty okay yeah uh but you know once you start digging you mm-hmm. just like keep well, going and, and thank you spotify for like oh you like this now let me uh introduce right. you to these that's one thing uh, their algorithm is actually yeah. pretty darn good it's a t- double-edged sword with spotify they don't reimburse the artists as well as they should but a no lot of they people, definitely don't but a lot of these people find and, and for me for research it can be helpful a lot of people find it find yeah. artists because of for it for research so. it, it can be helpful but so is youtube I don't know. So is just going to a record store. That's true. <laughs> How about that? Go go to a record store and just flip through and be like, 
I don't know who this is. I'm going to listen to it, you know? And, like, that's how I find stuff. Mm. It's just, like, I've never I've never heard of this person. And then you listen to it, and then you see who the producer is, and then you follow the breadcrumbs. What else did they produce, you know? Um, and you just, man, there's, there's this record, Robson Jorge. Okay. And Lincoln Olivetti. They were like a producing duo in Brazil. Oh, wow. And they put out this record in 1981, and it's just their names. Hmm. Robson Jorge and Lincoln Olivetti. And it's one of my favorite records of all time, you know? But it's just like you you follow the breadcrumbs, you know? <clears throat> that took me... Actually, I think I got there via Marcus Valle. That's like how I found them, you know? Uh, because he did a funk record, like CBS records, I think in like 83 or something like that. Like he went to New York. Because, you know, he he's like a traditional, like, uh, um, uh, fuck. Flamenco? <laughs> Not flamenco. Um, it's, it's Brazilian music. Bossa Nova? Bossa Nova. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Well, sometimes I look like him, but not so much today. Yeah, he's like a, you know, like people know him as like a bossa nova artist, but he like made this funk record and it was ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, what? But uh, yeah, just keep searching. Mm-hmm. Always. We only got about 15 minutes, so let's jump in the Wayback Machine. So. It's different every time. <laughs> And it's a good timing for this because you're on your way to Raleigh, which is where you're from. Or at least yeah, I went, went to high, high school. school in Raleigh. Yeah, my my mom is from North Carolina. All right, my first question is: Your mom's a big. She listens to the gospel like Seth listens to fish all the time, all the time, all the time. But then you're a young kid. You're pulling the pots and pans out and beating on them. Ah. What did she think of you? Like, you know, making all that noise? Yeah. Well, she let me. Right. You know, which is like a big thing. Like some parents are like, stop that. Yeah. Right. And she was just like, okay. You know, obviously something's going on here. Like, I don't know what it is, but okay. Well, you know. Out, yeah. So they got me like a little Rice Krispies drum set, you know, paper drum set. You send in 40 UPCs and they send you a little paper drum set. Yeah. And I beat on that, you know, for a while. And then when I got older... They got me a drum kit, you know, but I was always just like I, when we when we went to church, I would just sit by drummers and like emulate their movements mm. like they were doing that. And I would just sit there and be like, <laughs> you know, and just try and do what they were doing. So that's like kind of how how it started, you know, and then she saw me uh, do a concert in my middle school you know she had never really seen me play like in a in a setting like that you know seventh grade band whatever Mm -hmm. and you know i had had my moment and my like little snare solo you know in the (laughs) middle of a piece (laughs) and when i got in the car she was like oh my god like that was amazing like you could beat on anything you want like (laughs) you could beat on my arm if you want to you know (laughs) So she encouraged me a lot to play 
and my dad did too. My dad like blew my mind when I was 15 in this infamous car ride and he he played me like all in one sitting, which is uh amazing testament to my dad and like what kind of a music fan hmm. he is was this a car ride to virginia it was a car ride to to or from virginia i think it was to virginia because folks they when their her parents split up dad was in virginia mom's yeah, in north carolina yep and uh we uh he put it he popped in a tape you know he had tapes and he popped in the oj's hmm. you know the record that backstabbers is on and i was like oh my god this is this is amazing, you know? And then he, he takes that out. He's just like smiling, like looking at me the whole time. <laughs> and then he puts in the gap band. And I hear early in the morning and I'm like, oh my God. Like, I don't know what this is, but this is amazing. <laughs> this is my future. <laughs> yeah. And then, so right after that, he puts in Van Halen, 1984. <laughs> and I hear hot for teacher. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, and he's just like laughing and looking at me. And then after that, Rage Against the Machine. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you know, and I hadn't I hadn't heard, you know, like that type of music in Eve Six. I don't know much about Eve Six. What should we know about that's that's I honestly I don't either. It was just like he was just like throwing all this stuff at me. <clears throat> You know, and I heard it and I was like, oh, I mean, it's like some hard rock. You I mean, know? I, WBCN played like a song or two of theirs when I was a kid. That's, you know, that's yeah. all I know about them. Yeah. That surprised me when I saw your influences. That was the, a lot of the others are the usual suspects. And then I was like, Eve Six? Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, it wasn't so much of an influence as it was like exposure. Discovery. Yeah. Discovery and exposure. And then Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, uh, yeah. That's you know, and, and Bruce Springsteen. My, my dad's like a big Bruce Springsteen fan. You know, so there were all he he threw all this stuff at me. I think there's great importance in that, not just finding the music, but finding like it almost is like from the get go, you weren't confined by the genres that other musicians seem to be confined. It's mm -hmm. like you were a step ahead right out of the shoot because mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely like say that all the time. I'm so grateful for him to have been like, here, just like check all this out. What was it like when you went back to school, middle school, and you're like, yo, you got to check this out? And no, high like, school. What? I was in high, high school, school then, okay. yeah. But actually, so uh, when I was in high school, uh, that's when like In Utero came out. Mm -hmm, right. So one of my really good friends that was in the drum line, uh, Mike Wright, he was like, you got to check this out, you know? And he played me like Scentless Apprentice, and, and he was a, a Manson fan. Too, hmm. you know, so he's like the beautiful people, you know, like he was just sweet dream super... of <laughs> were, were you in a drum line? Were you in marching yeah. band? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yep, right. I was the drum line captain. I bet. Okay, makes sense. What yeah, school? at Southeast Raleigh High School. All right. Then did you, did you take it on to college or not? Uh, well, I mean, I I went to Berkeley. But there, For a bit. Well, yeah. there's no drum line in Berkeley. There's no drum line in Berkeley. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you were Berkeley. I forgot that. Yeah, so that's, yeah, of course. But she uh, rose above. She didn't need that degree. <laughs> Let's get into it. How did you choose? How did you choose to go to to Berkeley? First? So there was this preacher that came to the church uh, that I, that I was going to that I was playing at with my mom because my mom plays keys too, oh, and uh, he came and did a revival, and he was a musician. 
and he asked me like well what do you you know what do you want to do i was like well i want to be a cardiologist but i really love music you know and i like i I love playing and uh you know he heard me play and he was like well there's really like two schools that you should check out and he was like berkeley college of music and the university of miami they have like yeah, such Miami. a great um, music program, so I went online and started looking at Berkeley and looking at University of Miami. I looked at Juilliard. I looked at you know different uh, schools. Look at FSU at all? And uh, no, I did not. But that's just you know <laughs> happenstance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I looked at Berkeley and they had this percussion week. Cause like I'd never been to Boston before, you know, so I uh, I said, "Hey, Ma, like I want to go to this percussion week. This is a good way for me to like check out school before I enroll, you know." And I went up there and just was blown away. But obviously, it was different from actually attending the school because percussion week was just all drums, like Uh all the time. And I was like, man, I have to come to school here. (laughs) You know, but then when I get there, I'm like, oh, I got these harmony classes Uh and ear training and like English literature and like whatever college, you know. The bait worked. Yeah, the bait worked. It did. But it's interesting, like how much funk comes out of Berkeley, but really it's not the Berkeley, it's the what's that club? Wally's. Wally's, yeah. But like, I mean, it's interesting though. Like, they didn't let know, her in the first time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, she's underage. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was mean, like eighteen. You know. But but they, uh, I had my teacher Francisco Mela. He was like, "Come come to Wally's on on Thursday," you know. So he talked to you know the club owner and was like, "Let her in. She's my student." And they were like, "All right." <laughs> yeah, I went back, and the the bouncer was like, "Nah." <laughs> like your teacher's not here now like you can't come in you know <laughs> but then like eventually i was i was relentless like i I just kept going back standing outside whatever you know like i'm gonna get in i'm gonna, I'm gonna come play so then um eventually they like realized like okay this kid's not going away so he just like let me in mm-hmm. you know and uh i so I first the first night i went down there was on a thursday and that was like afro-cuban jazz which is just just such a level of musicianship that like I can't even explain you know and then uh, I went down there on a Tuesday night and Mark Kelly was playing bass and I was like man this is this is crazy it, it was it was it was amazing and I and I started just going there and I actually sat there I went like for like six months you know just like actually sitting there learning their arrangements huh and then when it came time for me to sit in, I was like, I want to sit in. And they're like, okay. And then I played, you know, one of the songs that they played because I knew the arrangement. And they were like, okay, like you listen. So uh-huh. like you want to come back and play, you know, next week or whatever. So then I started subbing. I started subbing on Sunday nights. And then I got the gig on Sunday nights. And then eventually I started playing on Tuesdays. And then Mark left. And then I took over Tuesdays, also played Wednesdays, too. It was, like, Charles Haynes and Webster Roach and Davey Nate. There was, like, all these cats in there, you know, on different nights that are still family, you know, to this day. But, like, that's how I met 
Sam Kenninger and Eric Krasno and Deitch and yeah. all the dudes. Were, were they so they were all in your orbit at that time, but they were they were a little older though, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were so older. They were, yeah. yeah, but they Sam were, was the first gig. Did that? Did you get the gig and then leave Berkeley? Like, what gave you the confidence to leave Berkeley? And I, I don't think a lot of people understand what a ballsy move that is to to go to Berkeley and get involved in it and then not get the degree. You know, a lot of musicians just think get the degree and everything will fall into place. And you were smart. You're like, no. Yeah, I realized. Get out there and work. Yeah, I realized I didn't need a piece of paper to play music because like nobody cared. They're just like, you know, these songs. <laughs> Can you play? But you you know, you can get paid to play. But it really kinda came out of necessity, you know, playing gigs around town because I really didn't envision myself like becoming a professional drummer. Like I just knew that I needed to go study music. Mm-hmm. You know, but I I really didn't have any idea like what I was gonna do with it. Like I wanted to be a musical music therapist. Like my mom, she wanted to. She wanted to do go into music therapy. And I mean she basically did she does like on her own you know um she'll go to a nursing home and play for people and uh that just kind of was in me you know so I had no idea so then when I I was hungry I was like I need money you know I gotta eat so Jose Ramos shout out to Jose he was like one of the first gigs that I played he was like you play blues I was like no but I'll learn (laughs) You know, like, how much is the gig paying? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I just, like, started gigging around town, and I kind of figured it out, like, oh, this is kind of, like, what you do. You just, like, keep going, and it keeps growing and growing and growing, and then you keep networking, you get out there, somebody likes the way you play, they're like, oh, hey, can you come play this gig, you know? And Sam, and that's basically what happened? Like, how did, is that the first serious regular gig? That was the first like ser- yeah first serious regular gig I had, but I was still in school. Okay. Um, I didn't leave school uh, until well, I really I just like I quit. I was in a cover band called Felix Brown, and uh, I quit because like the the last wedding I played, it just like it was soul crushing. Like, I felt like the help, like we had to go in through the kitchen and we had to eat like we ate like on the ramp to the kitchen, you know, at like Abraham Lincoln's summer home. And like that, whatever they served us was just like terrible. Lobster and and I, like a cold turkey yeah, and I was and... like, you know what? I don't I don't want to be treated like this. Uh, I don't need this. Like, I'm I'm good. You know, so basically I, yeah, I quit and I moved to New York like immediately. I moved to New York like December 19th, like not even on the first, you know. And when did you ever um, go for the, the, the pink uh, tryout? Oh, that audition, uh, I was like 18. That was early. That, that was, was like earlier. before. Yeah, that was before like I left because I was in this uh, all female band called Mass Ave. And the manager, Which Wally's is on. Yeah, with yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the manager of the band uh, was LFO's manager. Like he he discovered them, and someone called him and was like, you know, Pink's doing an audition, and he was like, man, you know, I should like send Nikki out there. So he he like 
you know, made a way, paid for my tickets, you know, to go out there oh, cool. to to audition. Yes, yeah, shout out to Mike Caputo. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was a great experience, you know. But the the musical director was like, "You're a great player. Like I'll see you soon." Right, too you young. know, yeah. They don't want to take an eighteen year old kid on the road. Is the, like, getting the experiences is all a part of it, and it's not always about the end result of getting the gig. The end result is getting the experience to be able to get the gig down the road. Yeah, but it is yeah, funny because totally. you got that immediate feedback, and then later when you rehearse or what's the word, try out audition, audition yeah. for Beyonce, you didn't hear for a few days, so you're like I'm not getting instant feedback. I don't know, and then you. Yeah, you hear, I was you got like, it. oh, I guess I didn't get it. You know what I mean? It was like a Monday, and I didn't hear from them until Friday. And so, yes, she played two tours of the, playing the two-hour and 37-minute shows. And I'm sure you're <laughs> sick of talking about Beyonce, but just a couple quick things. Yeah, I, yeah. I know she's very hands-on with the arrangements. She's a very meticulous perfectionist. What I want to know is, did she speak to you directly or through somebody? No, I mean we spoke. We were in the room really? together. So she she was like the Michael. Have you seen the Michael Jackson movie where he's rehearsing for the this tour that never yeah. happened? Yeah. Is it similar to that where like? Yeah. Really. No, I, she yeah she knows what she wants to do and she does it. Because that's a side of Beyonce fans don't get to see. Like, how does she convey? Of like, course. Like, remember how Michael with the guitarist and Michael's like. Like me at a dead show. He's like dancing around saying, I want a little of this and a little yeah, of that. that yeah. Would she do that? Would she animate it and really get into it? She, like I want a beat like, like you know how Stanton Warren can do the beats? Yeah, yeah. Would she do stuff like it that? Was it like that? It, no. <laughs> like, is that, what you, is that like, what you imagine her to be in your head? I don't, you know. Beyonce? I don't know. I mean, she's it's such like, a big... I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's just like, it was talking like, okay, well, what? What about this section? Like, you know, how do you think we can make this better? Like, because okay, Michael man. hid that. When nobody knew that side of Michael until mm, he was mm, gone. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I but wish... I mean, that's like, that's like a lot of artists, though. But I mean, the thing is, is like, you can't like show your cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is like a, it's a big thing in, in show business is like, how does all of this work? Like, yeah, it's it's hard work, and there are there's certain people that have certain methods that's just like their way, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't I don't rehearse in in front of people because like I'm getting it together, I'm working through my thoughts. You know, that's not for people to see. You know what I mean? So who did you meet backstage? Because celebrities go to her shows. Oh yeah! Who were some of your favorite people you met? There was there was a couple. Uh, Cameron Diaz was one of them. Sade, that was a a great night. I was like, man. But honestly, like the biggest one for me, I'm like a huge like martial arts fan. Michelle Yeoh came to our gig in in China, Hmm. and I was like, dude. <laughs> and people were like, mm, we don't know who that is. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like, <laughs> any any movie ever with a woman that is fighting, it's probably her. <laughs> you know. Um, well, uh, you mentioned uh, all women band, so I'm going to go back just a second. Um, you've got an all women band coming up uh, uh, experience or show. Uh, yeah, the Conscious, Conscious Alliance. Alliance. Has their m- Macmillan Mansion event, which tickets are still available. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so what's um, a show like that? Like, is it pretty much like, all right, uh, so we all know these songs? Okay, cool. See ya. Or is it any sort of rehearsal or anything like that? What's what's the vibe like that? 
No, there's 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 rarely any rehearsal whenever you see a thing like that. But then when you're like with Jennifer Hartswick and Natalie and you and just like, it's well, like, well, yeah, we, it seems we like know the, each but other. The, the hits though is like you guys hit it in a way that it's like oh they they got to be practicing. I'll, I'll go to Jen, Jen. I'm like, how did you guys hit that like that? She's like. <laughs> Honey, we just, this is what we do. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is, though. Like, this is what we do. We spent, we've dedicated our entire lives to it. So, that, that's it. That's what we do. We can't always explain, like, well, how'd you guys do that? It's just like this, we're musicians and we listen and mm. things click. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You know so what I mean? Because even like with Playa All Stars, uh, I remember with Bruce and I were talking, it's like sometimes he loved the band because he, he was like, he just, you know, anytime the collection came together, it always just just hit. Mm-hmm. And Or as he said, oh, it was smoking, smoking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, but that's just a testament to how good we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but you but this is so, like you know the songs, and so you uh, you know the horn line's going to be here. You kind of know what's up, but then you all listen. I think that's the big thing is you all are really good listeners. Yeah, we listen and react, and like that's it. You you connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but like, I've seen okay, great musicians going. have issues with tempo. So tempo that's or amazing. Tempo? It, it's amazing <laughs> to see people just know the tempo right away. That That's what always knocks me out. Well, it's she, not just a matter of the drummer hitting it and everybody jumping on, is it? Is it that simple? No, no. There's, there's 30 plus years of studying music. <laughs> right, but it's Bert, still... Bertley really paid off. All, each musician have, have each their musician, 30 plus years. Yeah. Everybody has their... They, they studied Right, you know, they worked really hard to but be good co- at this. It's the coalescing that's amazing to me. Yeah, it that's is what, amazing. That you're, very not, you're very nonchalant about, but it's like, yeah, it's no, it is. Telepathic. It is amazing. Yes, it is. Absolutely, it's telepathic. But like, I guess the way that I, I heard this recently, the way that I could explain it to people that don't really know or understand is like, let's say that the five of us read the same book, mm. and then we sit down and have a discussion about the book. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you know what happened oh, I in didn't chapter twenty six. Yeah, when Frederick Everybody jumped, knows uh, what happened in chapter twenty six. Mm-hmm. You know? Well so it's because, because like, chapter twenty four told us it was gonna happen and then chapter <laughs> yeah. thirty is like, no, it didn't really happen. It now what's going on? Yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Running out of time. Yeah. Um degree was Beyonce. Masters was Dumpster Funk. Yep. So we got to talk about Dumpster Funk. Yeah. Because you're a young player. You're coming out. God bless Beyonce, but it was for you as a player a bit frustrating, a bit like being in a box. Mm-hmm. Talk about going to Dumpster Funk and how that changed your career. At Man, like, I owe those guys so much because, yeah, I, I was, they, they took me in, you know, they took me under their wing and just like taught me everything they knew. You know, and just like in the New Orleans tradition, mm-hmm. again, you know, they're like, listen to this, check this out, even like- You would... changed your last name Neville. Yeah, <laughs> right. But really like talk about parts and like the attitude behind uh-huh. which they are played, because that's the thing as well. When you have a part, it's like, what's the attitude that you're bringing to it? How are you- playing it you know and like tony he would dance and be like it should feel like this <laughs> you know and See, it's like I yeah stuff, I, get, I understand that you know it's a visual it's like yeah okay you know you play that with two hands instead of one you know 
And Ivan, too, man. He's just like, they're all like such incredible musicians. Uh, Nick Daniels is one of my favorite singers in the world and bass players, Hmm. you know? And Ian is, he's an encyclopedia as well and he, you know and he's grown up but he still look he's like yeah he like, still looks like, he looks, like, looks like what a kid. is the deal with that <laughs> some people don't age no yeah it was like good born to be young yeah but he's he he ha- he knows so much man like he would always be like yo you got this you you got this record I'm like no what is that you know he's like oh you got this recording from 78 whatever he just like laid everything on me and uh yeah uh they they actually they really worked on my voice a lot because when i came in the band they were like yo you gotta sing you know so uh dumps and funk definitely helped me find my voice (laughs) literally Train. 